Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. St. Louis has always been welcoming to immigrants and refugees. One of the reasons why is that the newcomers have contributed so much. Today we're learning that the number of refugees coming here has been in sharp decline for the last couple of years, and this year will likely number only about a third of the 1,100 or so who came here two years ago. When newcomers come to St. Louis, they are usually assisted in assimilating by the International Institute, and they are being encouraged to come because of their typical entrepreneurial spirit that helps the local economy. So what is going on now? With me in studio are Anna Crossland, the executive director and CEO of the International Institute, Betsy Cohen is executive director of the St. Louis Mosaic Project, an initiative to grow the city's foreign-born population as a means of helping the city's economic growth. So nice to have you both with us. Happy New Year to you. Yes, thank to you. you too. Let me put the, the question to, to both of you. I'll start with you, Anna. What is going on? Why this sudden and sharp decline? Well, the decline is a result of uh, the 2017 initiatives on the part of the White House, uh, the executive orders and uh, the travel bans, which were on one day, off one day, on again, um, which resulted uh, because of, of initiatives from the White House in a sharp decline in the national admissions numbers for refugees. And so what we're seeing here in St. Louis then is um, is the follow-through of that, that if there are more refugees, fewer refugees being resettled nationally, then obviously there are going to be fewer here in St. Louis. We should make the distinction as we always do in these discussions mm-hmm. with you, Anna, the difference between a refugee and an immigrant. Well, um, refugees, um, immigrants, immigrants, uh, uh, including those uh, who arrive here because of family reunification and also um, uh, what's called labor certification, those people with high-level high skills. Um, there's a large program in the United States, a large, robust program, and um, it admits uh, upwards of 400,000 people a year. Refugees themselves are a subset of the immigrant program itself, uh, and it's focused on specific groups of people who are admitted because of a well-founded fear of persecution as opposed to the other uh, reasons for the larger program admissions. Betsy Cohen, what does this mean to you and the Mosaic Project? I mean, you're, you're, you're moving on as quickly as you can to, to reach your, uh, not, what, 2020 goals. What does this mean to you? Well, our goal is to be the fastest-growing major metropolitan area for foreign-born by the year 2020, which means we have to grow faster than the other top 20 regions. So if there is a cutback on refugees, as long as we're getting our fair share, we will do fine and can attract others potentially for secondary migration to St. Louis and continue the growth rate faster than the other regions. It does slow us down overall, on an absolute number. What what I've alluded to it in the introduction, but what uh, what is the importance of the of the foreign-born community to a place like St. Louis? Well, foreign-born people coming to uh, the United States and moving within the United States to our region provide economic opportunity. They are between 30 to 50% more likely to start a business than our native-born population. Overall, they're better educated, uh, a higher percentage have college degrees, and they create jobs. They don't take jobs. In addition, many of the international students that stay on unhired are STEM graduates, and they fill openings in our region that no one else can fill. Anna, what, what sort of an impact is this having on, on the people you work with? with at the Institute, not co-workers, but the people you're working with? Well, it's having grave impact, in fact, on many different aspects. Uh, First and foremost, on our clients uh, who are refugees and who have been resettled in previous years. 
Um, you know, they were waiting, in fact, uh, for relatives in many cases to receive visas and be relocated in St. Louis. Uh, and as the numbers then dropped precipitously from 110,000 admissions a year uh, back to 50,000, which was uh, the president's uh, uh, um, proposal at the end of January, to the final 45,000 admitted um, then uh, in this in this new fiscal year after October 1, the agreement, uh, you know, each time it meant uh, more lives. More lives were, were just going to be, you know, left abroad as opposed to be able to, to come to cities like St. Louis. Now, for some of our refugee populations, it's even more drastic because there are certain countries right now that for which there's a total ban. So, for instance, uh, the Syrians. We, re- we sponsored about 300 Syrians uh, a year before last, and those individuals then were waiting for family members who are still in destitute situations, uh, uh, horrific, uh, and um, uh, they simply can't come at all. It's not even a case of a small chance of them being able to come, but because of the ban, um, they're, they're, they're restricted in terms of, of the total number. The the uh, populations that uh, I'm looking at here, according to I, I think it's your newsletter, indicate that uh, refugees primarily are coming from Afghanistan, from the Congo, Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, Somalia, and Iraq. Is that correct? Right. The one thing that we have to remember the. <laughs> I don't want to get too technical, but the federal fiscal year is actually October 1 to September 30th. So we had had a quarter of the new fiscal year before the announcement at the end of January of 2017 about the ban. And so many of the Middle Easterners that we resettled last year actually arrived in St. Louis in that first quarter or even in the second quarter of this last year. And since about uh, May or June of 2017, um, the bulk of people who have arrived have actually not been from the Middle East. Ah. Betsy Cohen, um, when you've identified these people, well, let, let me just back up a little bit. How do you work with the International Institute in terms of the Mosaic Project and the Institute? You, you have some sort of collaborative association, I'm sure. Yes, we do. So, for example, for some of the refugees, as they become resettled and have improved with their educational their English, and their job skills, some of them are already at a high degree of competency. And at the Mosaic Project, we can help network them um, into careers if they have finished some of the training programs offered by the International Institute. We also have many of our foreign-born in the region who we refer to the International Institute for other training programs on career advancement for international professionals, as well as other skill sets that we refer people in the broader community to the International Institute for Services. The third way we collaborate is particularly with the low unemployment rate rate right now, we are getting calls from employers who are seeking employees. And so we've had three joint calls that I've made with one of the key staff members from the International Institute to meet with employers to see how in the broad range of foreign-born people that we deal with from the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership or through the Institute, if we identify individuals that could fit the hiring needs of some of our employers for both hourly and managerial jobs. Do you have any sense that that there is a reluctance on the part of potential employers because because of of all the notoriety that the issue of immigration and refugees has gotten uh, uh, recently in this country? No, I think with the St. Louis unemployment rate below 4%, 
employers are looking for good workers. They're looking for a good work ethic. They're looking for people who can pass their drug tests. They're looking for low-skilled, for high-skilled. And they need to complement our native-born workforce. And so it's not a matter of turning away. It's adding to. And so there is a great interest in this area. Yeah. Anna, what are you saying in this regard? Well, um, one, of the, one of the pieces of misinformation that's out there that I want to clarify is I think the stereotype that some people may have um, that refugees, because they come from lesser developed countries, are not necessarily educated or even highly educated. Mm-hmm. The reality is on an annual basis, um, you know, probably 25 to 30 percent of uh, the adult refugees that we sponsor have had some college already, and many of them do have degrees. Uh, one of the things that is misunderstood, for instance, about the Iraqis and the Afghans, for instance, that we sponsor are that those individuals are arriving over here because they were employed by the U.S. armed forces in those countries um, while they were fighting. And so you're talking about civil engineers that built the roads and interpreters and drivers and doctors who patched up the soldiers in the hospital and pharmacists, et cetera. So these are a very high-skilled group of individuals, and they are very beneficial then uh, to the community, not just in terms of who they are, being refugees and being able to speak a language other than English, but also because we need those 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 skills in our community. A lot of people think uh, we have a moral responsibility to these people because if they stay in places like Afghanistan and, and Iraq, mm-hmm. uh, their future might be quite in doubt. Right. And that's one of the tragedies about all of this is that uh, in, the, in the case of these uh, Iraqis and Afghanistans, their lives really are um, on the line if, if they're held up and there aren't enough visas to be able to move them to the United States. It's a tragedy for all refugees in many different ways because each life has value. But in the case of these individuals, they've stepped out in their homelands and said, I'm going to fight. I'm going to help the the U.S. military. And of a consequence, then, we do owe it to them to be able to help them now. I, uh, I have a caller here who wants to get into the conversation, and he'll take us uh, in a direction we were going to go anyway, I'm sure. That would be Brant calling from St. Louis. Brant, thanks for being with us. Go ahead. Yes, I, I just want to tell you, every time I see a Bosnian, I thank them for moving here because our city would be in such disrepair if it had not been for them. What are there, like 60,000, 80,000 of them? Something like that. It's just uh, was a real shot in the arm, and that's part of the reason I moved into the city, um, because we have so many immigrants coming here now. Now, I do want to say that I have mixed feelings about when, when the government gives them money, but I'm also going to say that that money gets turned around quickly, because those people are far more likely to buy houses, start businesses, and do really industrious things with what little they have been given. So I'm not all against it. Well, um, thank you for your for your words of support. Uh, and I do agree with you that the Bosnian community, which arrived in St. Louis uh, and in the U- U.S. between 1993 and 2001, were were a real boon, have been a real boon to this this community in terms of of their entrepreneurial spirit and and their skills. And now we're into a second, another generation of children and grandchildren, in fact, who are contributing to the community. I do want to try to clarify for just a moment uh, the concern some people may have um, about the money um, that refugees actually receive when they arrive over here because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of a misunderstanding of that issue the reality is that they receive very little money from the federal government for refugee resettlement itself um, a family of four gets about three hundred dollars a month for eight 
eight months after they arrive. And the stipend that we received to actually um, resettle them for the first three months is $1,000 a person, which if you have a family of four and you're um, obligated to pay three months' rent plus a security deposit plus transportation and food, oops, we're out of money already. So it's not a luxurious uh, amount of money. And in fact, when they before they get on a plane overseas to come to the United States, they are required to sign a promissory note that within six months after arrival in the United States, they will begin to pay back their airline tickets um, into a revolving fund for other refugees. When they borrow money for uh, uh, to start a business or something like that, um, and they come to the International Institute if they're not creditworthy at a bank, they have to pay bank rate plus a couple percentages over that just to be able to, to do so. So there's very little, if anything at all, in this whole process that, that is free for them. And, and Go ahead, Betsy. I was going to add that one of the things that I've learned through my work with the International Institute and Anna Crossland is that when the initial Bosnians came, almost double that number came as secondary migrants from around the United States because St. Louis was viewed as a welcoming community. And really, that's what we're about now, as even in a world where we're having fewer refugees and other immigrants coming to the United States, if we as a community are more welcoming than other communities, we will get people on the move. And we know, for example, that Chicago and other high-priced regions are losing foreign-born people, and we want to be a place where we can grow economically and population-wise by being viewed as a place that they can add and be successful. You also have to wonder how many times that the stipends that Anna was talking about are paid back in terms of just what tax revenue is generated uh, and, and jobs created, that sort of thing. Definitely, because the additive power of the buying power that the foreign-born community has in the neighborhoods, school vitality, neighborhood vitality, retail purchases, their home and rent, they are definitely contributing to the economy in our neighborhoods in both the city, the county, and the whole region. There's an interesting statistic, in fact, that the regional St. Louis Regional Chamber crunches for us every year. And what they do is they take... um, they take the uh, uh, gross revenues of, of uh, the businesses that we've helped sta- start or expand, uh, and uh, they compute those using uh, this implan software, which is this kind of thing that they use. And they say, oh, after the final four, you know, $34 million of revenue generated, that kind of a thing. So they use this software, and what they found is looking at the beginning of our program in, in 1999 to, to this last year, um, we've helped start or expand about 600 businesses in the community. The positive economic impact from that is over $170 million just from those businesses. Has there been any slowdown in terms of immigrants or refugees um, resulting from bad publicity that this town has gotten recently? The crime, high crime, uh, the NAACP warning to people of color about coming to places like St. Louis. Is this happening? Well, We don't see it in the refugee population because refugees arrive because we sponsor them. Mm -hmm. And the secondary migration that Betsy was speaking about, they listen more to people who are influential to them, who are people of their own community. So if, like with the Bosnians, uh, cousin Adnan said, "Oh, move to St. Louis. The opportunity is here." They're not going. They're going to. They're not going to be looking for other mm-hmm. kinds of, of of influentials at that point, or reading the paper or something else. So it's really with them. It's about person to person, but their own community to community that that helps draw them. Slightly different situation with the higher skilled and with the um, foreign students. And Betsy can uh, address that. 
Yeah, I think in the region, um, all of us that are working on attraction of visitors, um, students, tourists, we are all working uh, doubly hard because we know that when there are searches for St. Louis, various negative things show up. So, for example, for our international students, uh, nationwide, 7% decline in international students. And for first-year students, nationwide, it's 3%. And we are looking to make sure that that doesn't happen in St. Louis by being proactive. Our universities are doing more recruiting internationally. We actually have a Chinese international student consultant that's working both with the international students, the universities, and even materials going to China so that we don't face that because we know that some of that press is out there. What sort of uh, response do you think is going to come from the president's recent remarks about, well, you know, you know the remarks I'm talking about, about uh, the African nations and Haiti and the kinds of cultures and conditions they come from. Is, Is that going to have an impact? Well, I hope that it provides an opportunity for people to be able to share the actual story as opposed to the perception of the story. Uh, You know, there's been so much discussion at this point, in fact, negatively about issues like the diversity lottery, the DV applicants, uh, et cetera, and that they, they come from Africa. So somehow or another, they must live in huts, yada, 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 when the reality is that most of the individuals who are coming over actually have a college degree, Mm -hmm. Um, that these are, you know, quite frankly, the people who can get through the system and, and hire the attorney and uh, get into the lottery are, are people who are already educated and have skills. And so we are attracting, in fact, a very high caliber of individuals through programs like the lottery. And we need to understand and balance that against um, some of these uh, stories that uh, are being, are being uh, uh, you know, out in the community, particularly by our elected officials, which, which quite frankly, are not accurate. Right. How much traffic do the two of you have with elected officials and and, and lobbying for your individual causes, Betsy? Well, since the St. Louis Mosaic Project is part of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership, we are embedded as part of the economic organization between St. Louis Mm -hmm. City and St. Louis County. And I do spend time sharing the stories of people and what we are bringing to the community through a broader range of elected officials, as well as constituents throughout the state, and even nationwide. I just joined the National Board of Welcoming America, which is working on, again, sharing these stories with both the general population and elected officials everywhere about the value that foreign-born people are bringing. And it's got to get the message has got to get to the top, though, the, yeah. top, the top layer. <laughs> it's very hard to get the message from the bottom all the way to the top. And so you have to do it layer after layer after layer. We work well with our local elected officials around these issues, less well when we get to the state level. And obviously, there's a lot of, of conflict at the, uh, at the federal level. But in the end, it's all about engaging people, the day-to-day people of the community and helping them to better understand. And we have a variety of ways to to be able to do that. One is that I invite any listener who's interested on the last Wednesday of every month to come for a tour of the International Institute at 10 a.m. One coming up in a couple of weeks, and you can just sign up online. Uh, you know that these are ways to be able to see what's really happening as opposed to what you think might be happening, and to really ask the questions at that point of a staffer at the institute as opposed to wonder what the reality might be. So, you know, it's it's up to all of us to become more educated and then through us to be able to educate our legislators. That's only about 30 seconds uh, left, but it's the same old story. Once you get to know somebody that you might uh, heretofore have been afraid of or not know about, 
uh, it generally changes the dynamic, doesn't well, it? Well, that's why we're seeing more interest um, for our Mosaic ambassadors, for ambassador schools, and even more companies calling us to be involved because they want to be welcoming, they want to attract better employees, and they want to serve the community. Yeah. And the work ethic is something I wanted to talk about. There isn't time, but that's an incredible part of the story of these people. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. But I want to thank you both so much for being with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good luck and Godspeed in both of your efforts. I know you you both work very, very hard at it. Betsy Cohen of the Mosaic Project and Anna Crossland of the International Institute. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Archived versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.